there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. And today I want to talk on the subtopic, the beginning of a kingdom legacy. The beginning of a kingdom legacy. Father, we thank you for this moment. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. The beginning of a kingdom legacy. Just a quick recap. Yesterday, we realized that you have to be intentional about the legacy that you want to craft for your life. We learned about a personal legacy, which has to do with an individual. But more than that, we talked about a kingdom legacy, which transcends the earth and is still relevant when you step into eternity. But additionally to that, I want to say that legacy begins when it is received. A legacy begins when it is received. A kingdom legacy begins when it is received. Before it is handed over to others, it must be received. So a kingdom legacy is received before it is handed down to others. I want to thank God for my father because before he passed on, he handed over the legacy of Christian faith to all his sons. That's why all his sons are pastors. He taught us Christianity. He believed in Christianity. He encouraged us to pray. He encouraged us to go to church. He was always reminding us of the importance to have a very strong and vibrant relationship with God. So I received something from my father. So a legacy or a kingdom legacy is first received before it is handed down to others. You have to receive it. Tell your neighbor, you have to receive it. Tell them again, you have to receive it. But you see, for many of us, we have not been very lucky in this area. The legacy that we have received for many of us was not a very good legacy. There are people here, you receive the legacy of violence because that's what you saw as you were growing up. There are people here, you receive the legacy of alcoholism because that's what you saw when you were growing up. Maybe your parents were drunkards, your uncles were drunkards. Everybody around you was drinking something. If it's not alcohol, at least something. They were drinking something. Everybody woke up and there was a bottle or a cup in their hands. And it had a very strong, it had a liquid with a very strong, pungent smell. And so that was like a legacy that was handed over to you. For some of us, it's a legacy of poverty. For some of us, the legacy of domestic violence. You grew up hearing noise from your parents' bedroom. They were always fighting. They were always shouting at each other. Every day you heard somebody was going to kill somebody in the bedroom. But they were still alive. You know, so it, it, it kind of became a way of life. And you find there are people when they get married, they, they, they continue with the same trend. You know, they have violence in their marriage, fighting, 
shouting, you know, giving each other threats, left, right, and center. It's, it's, it's a terrible legacy that some of us were given. Some were given the legacy of infidelity. There was no faithfulness, you know, as you were growing up. So there are people who are not very lucky to be given a good kingdom legacy. Now, although it may be difficult, you know, for you to try and learn some of this and learn some of these bad things that you received, you need to remember that when you get saved, when you are born again, you have received a kingdom legacy from Jesus Christ. When you say yes to God, when you submit your heart to God, when you surrender your heart to God and say that I want to serve God, I want to live for God, immediately you receive a kingdom legacy from Jesus Christ. And this kingdom legacy, ladies and gentlemen, is bigger. It is glorious. It is it's a wonderful legacy. And it is so much better than any legacy you may have received from the world. So you have to receive it. Tell your neighbor, you have to receive it. Tell them again, you have to receive it. Yeah, you, you have to decide that now I'm, I'm a child of God. I, I, I'm receiving a kingdom legacy from Jesus Christ. I know I grew up in this. I know I grew up in violence. I know I grew up in domestic violence. I grew up in alcoholism. I grew up in all these bad, bad things that I saw that are deeply entrenched in my life. But now that I'm born again, I open my heart to receive a kingdom legacy. And this kingdom legacy from Jesus Christ is stronger, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's awesome, and it has the power to erase every negative legacy that you have received uh, as you are growing up. So, what kingdom legacy did Jesus leave us with? Mark chapter 12 and verse 28 to 30. Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 30. Are we together this morning? The Bible says, then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. This is the legacy that Jesus has handed over to us. Is the starting point of a kingdom legacy. He says that we shall, or we should love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our minds, and with all our strength. It is the first. Somebody shout the first. It is the first commandment. God's perfect will for us. God's perfect desire for us is that we may love him. And love is the beginning of a kingdom legacy. Our love towards God is the starting point of establishing a kingdom legacy. 
Loving God is the foundation of establishing a kingdom legacy. And that's why Jesus said, this is the first. Somebody shout the first. He said, this is the first commandment. It is the bedrock of a kingdom legacy. It begins with love. It begins with loving God. Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, that loving God is not something easy. It will demand a lot from us. And that's why many Christians don't really love God. They might say that they love God, but they don't really, really um, love God. If, 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 if a lot of Christians loved God the way they show, the crowd that was here yesterday, most of them could still be here today. Am I saying the truth? I know some of them came from our branch churches, but the members of this church who were here yesterday, they could have been here today. Because the love of God drives you. The love of God makes you do things that will ravish the heart of God. So many people say, or many Christians say they love God, but they don't truly love God, you know, with all their hearts. In fact, many Christians, what they do, they use God. They don't love him, they use him. When they need something, that's when they move closer to God. When they're in trouble, that's when they run to God. When they have an issue, you know, in their family, in their marriage, with their children, that's when they run to God. But when everything is perfectly running smoothly in their lives, they don't really uh, show God that they need him. Loving God is our starting point in establishing a kingdom legacy. Can I get an amen? Have you ever loved somebody with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength? If you really love somebody, I'm telling you, you make sacrifices for that person. You will make time for that person. You will always look forward to meeting that person. You remember your first crush? Or you don't want to remember? Because you crashed. <laughs> But do you remember your first crash? It was a beautiful experience, isn't it? I mean, come on, talk to me. Am I talking to real people here? Tell your neighbor, relax. You know some of you are seated next to your spouses, so you don't want to say yes. Because your partner will ask you, eh, uh -huh, who was it? But you remember your first experience, isn't it? Maybe it was in primary school or it was in high school or something. I mean, it was an exciting feeling. Do you understand what I'm saying? I remember when I was in class four. I think I was in class four. So you want to know my story, but when I am talking about you, you are quiet. Eh? I remember when I was in class four, there is a girl that I, I was really attracted to at that age, at class four. Yeah, I used to go to St. Peter's Clever's Primary School. And there was this girl, you know, that I, 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 was, I was like, this girl is very nice. You know, of all the girls in this class, this one is a very nice girl. So I was just kind of attracted to her, and I had a very soft spot on her. So one time I remember that I was fighting with another guy who overwhelmed me. The guy beat me, man. 
And there were guys who were surrounding us and they were watching this fight. When I looked around, I saw that girl. I don't know what happened. I received a new strength. <laughs> I received new strength. I wiped my tears. And I told that guy, let's do it again. Because <laughs> I wanted to show this girl that I'm not a weakling. I'm a strong person. I was even risking my life. I had already been beaten. This time, this guy maybe was going for the kill. <laughs> when you love somebody, I'm telling you, you go out of your way. You know, to try and please that person. Anyway, to cut the long story short, my brother came and saved me. <laughs> That's how powerful love is. When you truly love someone, you will make time for that person. You will sacrifice for that person. You will go out of your way to try and please that person. That's why, you know, Jesus is telling us here that the starting point is love. This is the first commandment that we should love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Amen. Your relationship with God is where you receive a kingdom legacy and grow into someone who will establish it both here and in eternity. Let me say that again. Your relationship with God is where you receive a kingdom legacy and grow into someone who will establish it both here and in eternity. In other words, when you love God, your relationship with God becomes vibrant. And when that relationship is tight and strong, you are able to um, activate the process of growing into a kingdom legacy. And as you receive it, as you imbibe it, as it becomes part and parcel of your life, then you can be able to pass it on. You can be able to establish it and pass it on here on earth to the next generation and in eternity as well. Can we go a little bit deeper? So when Jesus talks about love, let's look at this word love deeply. The Hebrew word for love is Ahab, and it means to have affection for. It means desire. It means delight in. It means to be fond of. The Greek word is agapao, which means to have a preference for or to wish well, to regard the welfare of, to take pleasure in, to prize it above other things, to be unwilling to abandon it or to do without it, to welcome it with desire or to welcome with desire or to long for something or someone. So all these Words describe what love is. To summarize all these words, love simply implies an ardent inclination of the mind and a tenderness of affection. It also denotes a strong emotional attachment for and a desire to be in the presence of the object of love. Your mind is thinking about the object of your love. There is tenderness towards the object of your love. There is strong affection towards the object of your love. There is strong desire to be in the presence 
of this person that you love. So when we love God, we will desire to be in his presence at all times. That's why I told you that if people really loved God, some of the people who were here yesterday, they will be here today because they love to be in the presence of the object of their love. So love must grip your mind. That's why Jesus mentioned the heart. Jesus mentioned the soul. Jesus mentioned the mind and the strength. It has to grip all these aspects of our lives. When the Bible talks about loving God, it's almost like, a, actually it's a command. God is commanding us to love him. He's not suggesting that we should love him. He's commanding us to love him. So the Bible places loving God in the context of a command. And it becomes, when it is practiced, it becomes a galvanizing force of our lives that determines a kingdom legacy. Four things that Jesus mentions here. The heart. Somebody say the heart. Your heart must love God. The heart is the center of our physical and spiritual life. It compasses our passions, our desires, and our affections. And this is the place which is really disturbed when it comes to love. When a, when a relationship breaks, which area is affected the most? It is the heart. That's why you see somebody has a broken heart. And they are walking, but they look like they are dead. A walking corpse. Because their heart has been broken. A place where they are supposed to express passion, desires, and affection. That place has been affected. And so they don't know where to direct their passion. Because the passion has been directed to a person who does not want them. <laughs> you have directed your affection on someone who does not want you. It's very frustrating. Have you ever loved somebody who doesn't love you? Please, can we be real this morning? Some of you are behaving like angels. Have you ever fallen in love with somebody who does not want you? Who even tells you, don't even think about it. You are not my type. Lord have mercy. Is there any lady here who has ever told a gentleman you're not my type? Don't lift your hand. Yeah, you might spoil the next, the, next, the next chance that is about to happen to you, isn't it? And, 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 and the heart can be broken because you have all these strong emotions and affections and passions that you have already directed towards somebody and this person is not reciprocating. It can really break your heart. Jesus said we should love God with all our hearts. Our affection, our desires, our passions must be directed towards God. Secondly, he mentions the soul. Somebody shout the soul. The soul represents the inner immaterial part of a man as separate from his physical body. The soul is literally the breath of life which God breathed into man to make him a living being. So that immaterial part of you should love God. It is invisible yet is so real. When God created Adam, the Bible says he breathed into him and Adam became a living soul. So that thing that God has put inside of you that is invisible, God wants to see love emanating from that aspect of your life, the soul. Then Jesus mentions the mind. Somebody shout the mind. The mind is the faculty of understanding which enables us to imagine and think and even reason. God wants you to love him with your mind. You are thinking about him. You remember those letters we used to love, to write, the love letters? We used to involve our minds, isn't it? 
I am always thinking about you. When I'm sleeping, I'm thinking about you. When I'm eating, I'm thinking about you. I am in, um, right now, I'm even thinking about you. Yeah? The pastor is preaching, but I am thinking about you. <laughs> yeah? You're sending an SMS. Huh? I cannot eat because I'm thinking about you. I cannot sleep because I'm thinking about you. I cannot shower because I'm thinking about you. I'm lovesick. I cannot brush my teeth because I'm thinking about you. Huh? I have not even changed from the nightgown because I'm thinking about you. Ish. Mercy. I have gone for a haircut because I'm thinking about you. I'm looking forward to the meeting we are going to have. Thinking about you. But those people are not here. They are not in this service. The ones who are in this service are just spiritual. They just think about matters to do with heaven. <laughs> so your mind must also think about God. Amen. Tell your neighbor, your mind must also think about God. Then Jesus mentions strength. Strength is the ability, force, or power we exert in loving God. You must use your strength in loving God. So each of these words, the heart, the soul, the mind, and the strength, can be explored as to how we love God. We are not to love God with only part of ourselves, but with everything that constitutes us. Our hearts, our soul, our minds, and our strength. Amen? You must love God with your heart because that's a starting point for establishing a kingdom legacy. If you don't love God, if you don't truly love God, you will only remain at at the level of a personal legacy. But if you love God, you'll go beyond pass, uh, uh, at the level of just having a personal legacy and begin to establish a kingdom legacy. Amen. Now, can we go a little bit deeper? So, what are the four aspects of our love for God? And then I will finish. The four aspects of our love for God. This is where things begin. Look at the neighbor and tell them this is where things begin. Yeah, where we have a love relationship with God. So, what are these aspects, the four aspects of our love for God? Number one, exclusive love. Exclusive love. You see, no love relationship can survive when it is crowded. When there are a lot of people in a love relationship, that's why they call it a love triangle. Because now it is more than two people. When a love relationship is so crowded, it, it cannot survive. Many marriages, many relationships screech to a halt because there is overcrowding in the hearts of those who are involved. You, you, you say you love somebody, but your heart has somebody else in the picture. You say you love somebody, but your heart is still thinking about somebody else. 
you're not totally sold out, you know, to this person. It's not exclusive love. You have not excluded everybody else that needs to be excluded in this relationship. And so you start having problems because you're not giving your all. You are sparing some part of your heart for another person. Must you? Yeah. There are people, they're in a love relationship, but a, a, a high school sweetheart is in the picture. Yeah. Some of them, their ex is in the picture. And, and some of them, the caretaker is also in the picture. <laughs> but those people are not here. I'm preaching to people who didn't come today. Huh? Baby mama is involved. No? Huh? And the deadbeat father is involved. So you can find that they're struggling. It's because the, 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 the relationship is crowded. It has so many people who are involved. On and off lovers. It's on, then he disappears. On, then he disappears. I mean, when, when, when that love relationship is crowded, there is no way that it can survive. When we talk about exclusive love, loving God exclusively, it simply means you exclude other gods. Your heart is not crowded with other lovers who are screaming for your attention. The very first commandment that God gave to Moses and the Israelites is in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3. Let's read what God said in Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 3. Can we read together? You shall have no other gods before me. That was the first commandment that God gave Moses and the Israelites. He said, I want you to love me exclusively. I want you to love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That is what God was telling the children of Israel. And he knew why he was telling them that they were coming from a place of idolatry. They were coming from Egypt, which was um, an, a nation that was full of many gods. That's why when Moses delayed, they decided we can also have another god. And they fashioned a god out of gold so they may be able to worship that god. But God said, look, if you're going to love me, then you have to exclude every other god. Expel, expel every other god from your heart. This is exclusive love. Hallelujah. The same way human beings enjoy this love is the same way God enjoys this love. Because if you're gonna love, if you're gonna love me, just assure me that there is nobody else in the picture. Because if there's somebody else in the picture, then I don't think I'll be really committed to this love relationship. And God is saying, if you want me to be committed to this relationship, then you must exclude other gods and love me wholeheartedly. This is the starting point for establishing a kingdom legacy. This year, I want you to expel other gods from your heart. Expel other gods from your mind. Stop using your strength to pursue other gods. Channel your energies. Use your heart, your mind, and your soul in loving God. Can I hear an amen in this house? Number two. The other aspect of this love is, number two, surpassing love. It's not just exclusive love, but it is surpassing love. 
Our love for anyone or anything must not supersede our love for God. If we love God, then we must never allow any other thing or any other person to rival the love that we have for God. Jesus said, you must love me. Love the Lord your God with all. Somebody say all. Shout all. So that means you don't withhold anything. It, the love you have for God must supersede every other love that you have for your relationships. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37. Look at what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 10 verse 37. He who loves father or mother more Somebody shout more. Okay, let's read it again. He who loves father. That means he, he doesn't say you should not love your father and, and mother. You should love your father and you should love your mother. But it should not be more. So he says, he who loves father or mother more than me he is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me, he is not worthy of me. Tell me, that's a very serious scripture. So, God does not mind you loving your parents, loving your children, and loving the people that you're connected with. But, there is a caveat. He says, it doesn't have to be more than the love you have for me. You're, you're, you're very quiet. Are you understanding what I'm preaching? He says, you love them, but when it comes to me, I am in my own class. With no rival. The moment you put a rival in my class, you're not worthy of me. You don't deserve me. Yeah, you should not even call me God. Because already you have another God. So it is surpassing love. The love we have for him, it should surpass the love we have for our mother, for our father, for our son, for our daughter. It should surpass that love. Because that is... How God wants to be loved. You see, for you to really love somebody effectively, you should know how to love them. Isn't it true? You know, I've been married for 21, 21, 22 years. And I've realized you can't love a woman the way you love a man. Only a few can understand what I'm saying. And you cannot love a man the way you love a woman. It's very different. The way a man responds to love is different from the way a woman responds to love. A lot of people are frustrated in marriage. is because a man is trying to make his wife think like another man. And a woman is trying to make, or a wife is trying to make the husband think like another woman in the house. As a husband, you didn't marry another man. It's very quiet. I think I should go home. You, you married a woman. And so you have to study a woman to know how is a woman loved. And if you know how a woman is loved, then you're going to enjoy your marriage. As a wife, you should study how is a man loved. A man prefers respect more than tears. <laughs> yeah? You, you think by crying, you love him. By crying, you are scaring him. 
But if you respect him, he knows that you love him. You understand? A woman, anyway, it's not a marriage seminar. Let me, let me just continue here. So, so if, 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 eh? I've seen children here. So if, 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 I was going to go very deep, but let me stay at the shallow end. So if, um, if you're going to love God, then you must ask yourself, how does God want to be loved? He says, you should love me more. Then you love him more. More. More, Pastor Zev. I know you are newly married. But the love you have for God should be more than the love you have for your wife. Yes. Church is quiet, but it's true. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. You cannot build a kingdom legacy when you have half-hearted love towards God. Because there are things that God will tell you to do, but because you don't really love him, you will not do them. And if you don't do them, you can never build a kingdom legacy. So your love for him should be more. Tell your neighbor it should be more. Tell them again it should be more. Tell them again it should be more. One day Jesus is preaching, preaching. They tell him, your father and mother has come to see you. He said, wait, tell them to wait until I finish what I'm doing. Tough, but it's the truth. Because the moment somebody else takes that place of God in our lives, God begins to say, I don't think you love me. You love that person more than you do love me. Can we go deeper? Our love for God must also surpass the love we have for the things of this world. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. The Bible says, First, Timothy, first John rather, sorry, First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, not Timothy. First John chapter 2. John, 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 John. Johanna. The Bible says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So you either have the love of the Father or you have the love of things inside of you. They can never coexist. The moment you love things more than you love God, God checks out. So we should love God more. We should love God more. Because if we replace God with other things, let me tell you, we only remain at a point where we'll just build a personal legacy and not a kingdom legacy. I'm reminded of a man by the name Demas in the Bible. The Bible says that he loved the world so much. He, his heart was given to the world. And this is a man that was, being, was, was called into the ministry. He was working with Paul. They were doing the work of God together. You know, but he got to a place where he loved the world too much. And when he loved the world, he deserted the ministry to which he was called. And I've seen a lot of people making this mistake. They love the world more than they love God. And because they love the world more than they love God, they leave God to go and pursue the world. Demons left the ministry, left Paul, left God because he was attracted to material things. Jesus was given the same offer by Satan to be given the kingdoms of this world. But he decided he would still love God. He didn't bow to Satan. He didn't give in to Satan because he was thinking about a kingdom legacy. 
He was thinking about what he's going to establish here on earth that will live on in heaven. No wonder he didn't bow to Satan. Satan showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Said, I'll give you this, I'll give you this, I'll give you, if you can just bow and worship me. If you can love me, I'll give you all these things. But Jesus' heart was so much in love with God that he didn't succumb to that temptation. Let me give you this statement before I give you number three. A surpassing love for God keeps you from trading away a kingdom legacy for a few short years of pleasure here on earth. A surpassing love for God keeps you from trading away a kingdom legacy for a few short years of pleasure here on earth. Then number three, what kind of love is this that we need to have, which is the starting point for building a kingdom legacy, is obedient love. It is not just exclusive love. It is not just surpassing love. But number three, it is obedient love. If we love God exclusively with a surpassing love, then obedience naturally follows. Obedience to God's command is a clear indication of our love to him. When you obey God, it shows that you love him. When you obey God, it shows that you trust what he tells you is the truth. It shows that you really love what he has, you know, outlined in his word that you need to fulfill. When you're obedient to God, it is a clear indication of the love you have for him. John chapter 14, verse 21. And then we're going to jump and read verse 23 to 24. Job, John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 21. Can we read together? He who has my commandments and... Please stop there. You have the commandments and you keep them. Because you can have but you don't keep. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. What is that? Obedient love. So, it is not just head knowledge. I know the scriptures. You know, my mother was giving me a story of a guy she knows. He's a very funny character, but he calls himself a Christian. He does very, very bad things. But when you ask him why he's doing those things, he quotes a scripture. Actually, he tells you, go and read James chapter 5 verse 3. <laughs> Every time you confront that person, he will throw a scripture to you. He say, you go and read this scripture. But he's a wicked man. So he has the commandments, but he doesn't keep them. So it's not just enough to know what God has said, but you have to go a step further and keep his commandments. When you keep his commandments, the Bible says that you are the one who loves God. So for you to know how much you love him, check on the level of your obedience. Powerful statement. If you really want to know how much you love God, check the level of your obedience. We need to have obedient love. We love him. Let's finish this scripture. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. The reason why God has not manifested himself to many people is because they have not demonstrated obedient love. They have the commandments. They know what God requires of them, but they are not obedient to those commandments. No wonder when God looks at them, he can just see lip service, but he doesn't see love from their hearts. And God says such people, he can never manifest himself to them. 
How many want God to manifest himself to you, to you this year? I want to challenge you. Begin to demonstrate obedient love. Keep his commandments. Obey his commandments. Whatever God tells you, do it. Because that is the only way God can tell that you truly love him. Because everybody says, oh, I love God, I love God. Oh, God first. Have you seen people use that statement? God first. Mungumbele. How about Numa? Huh? There are a lot of people who say these nice things about God. Oh, God, I, 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 God first. I, I love God, you know. Uh, I am a worshiper of God, you know. I, I believe in God. There are many people who say so many nice things about God, but if you follow their lives, you don't see obedient love. God says, look, if you're going to keep my commandments, then I will know that you love me. If you're going to obey what I tell you, then I will know that you do what? That you love me. Now look at verse 23. It's very quiet this morning. Oh, it's sinking. Okay, then tell me it is sinking. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, Look, ladies and gentlemen, do you, do you realize that God is very keen about love that is even talking about it? He's so concerned that he has a lot of children, but many of them don't really love him. Look, Jesus is saying, if anyone, if anyone loves me, what will he do? Please talk to me. What will he do? He will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and even leave, make our home within him. Sorry. Then verse 24. He who does not love me does not keep my words. Why are you not reading the scriptures? Is it becoming too hot? He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who has sent me. He says, I will only know you love me when you keep my word. Look, ladies and gentlemen, as a pastor, I have, my, the nature of my job is to help people, is to talk to people, is to counsel people, is to show people the right way. I think a pastor is like a moral compass for the society. Because he will tell you what you need to do. What is the right path to follow. One day, I was counseling this couple. Many years ago, even before I started this church. Many years ago, I was counseling this couple. And they used to come. And I remember I used to counsel them up to deep into the night. They came at five. They have issues from here to Timbuktu. And we could talk from five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven. Then I tell them, now, you see, it is even dark. Let us stop here. You will come back for session two. Then we will start from here. Then I tell them, okay, as you are going, you implement one, two, three, four, five. You implement one, two, three, four, five. So when you come, at least we can start from somewhere. <laughs> Lo and behold, when, when they come back, whatever I told them, nobody actually did it. Then again, we start again from square zero. Four hours. Five hours. One time I went home and I told my wife, hey, there's this couple that I'm talking to, but I feel like they're wasting my time. 
Because everything we are talking about, they don't do it. But they just love seeing me. They just love coming to my office because in my office, that is the only time they can only, they can be able to talk to each other. That's the only time. When they leave my office, nobody is talking to each other. They use the same car. They live in the same house. But they don't talk to each other. But as soon as they arrive in my office, they are even looking at each other. And they are talking to each other. Ah, I realize these guys, they are abusing me. <laughs> they are using me and abusing me. When they attended three sessions and I realized they were not doing what I'm telling them, I told them from today, this is the last session. Because you're not demonstrating obedient love. I'm taking time to talk to you. Sacrificing everything. Sometimes I used to go home and find my kids have slept. And when my children were growing up, I committed myself to make sure that every day I'm in the house for them to see me. When they were growing up. I didn't want them to think that the ministry can take a father away. I wanted them to know that the ministry can actually keep the father around. And so, in fact, I have been so close to my kids, but the, that, that the other day I was telling my firstborn daughter that, you know, now you go to university and maybe you have to stay there. She said, no, me, I'm not staying there. Me, I'm staying with you. <laughs> because we've been together. Yeah. She's standing 20 very soon. We've been together all through. Going together to places. We've just been together. You know, but I told her, now you see, now you are, you, you have to start thinking of being independent. Blah. He said, yeah, yeah, but you see, but I'm still young. I said, no. <laughs> and you see, it becomes very difficult sometimes when somebody tells you, I love you, but they don't do what you're telling them to do. It, it's, it becomes very difficult to believe what they're saying. And you know, people can also use very good names on pastors, isn't it? You're my daddy, you're my father, you're my mentor, you're my... The things you say here when you surround me. Yeah? Our mentor, our teacher, our doctor, our bishop, our whatever. It's, it's good to say those things. But if you don't do what I tell you to do, it makes me wonder if you really mean what you're saying. Because I will judge your love towards me when you demonstrate obedient love. Oh. And that's why God says, Jesus says, if you love me, please keep my words. Yeah. I will know you love me when I see that you are able to follow through my commandments. Fulfilling all my commandments to the latter. That is the only language I understand when it comes to you loving me. I pray for you this year that you will be a true lover of God. That you will demonstrate obedient love to God. You obey his word. Whatever the word of God tells you to do, you will obey it in Jesus' name. Shout a louder, amen. Last scripture here before I go to number four. Luke chapter six. Are you tired of my message? Luke 46. Then I give you number four, then we'll pray. Luke 6, 46. Jesus, Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. Read it, read it, read it. But why 
Do you call me Lord? And do not do the things which I say. Why do you call me pastor? And you do not do the things I tell you to do. Why do you call me bishop? Mentor? Let me see those words. Father, prophet, teacher, mentor. And you don't do what I tell you to do. It does not make sense. Tell your neighbor, it does not make sense. And God is confused when he looks at the way people are worshipping. Oh, Lord, I love you. <laughs> Tears are flowing. <laughs> I love you, I love you. But as soon as they leave the house of God, he doesn't see any obedient love in them. He gets confused. That's why Jesus said, why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Master? Why do you call me Savior? Yet, you do not do the things that I tell you to do. You see, the things that God is telling us to do, Pastor Zeph, are the things that will help us to establish a kingdom legacy. Yeah, the things that he's telling us. Because without him, remember I told you at the beginning that a kingdom legacy, first of all, you have to receive it. If you don't receive it, you cannot establish it. So he says, if you can do what I'm telling you to do, then you are going to establish a kingdom legacy. So if we call him Lord, let him be Lord indeed. If we call him Savior, let him be Savior indeed. Let us demonstrate obedient love. Tell your neighbor, we are changing 2023. Number four, the last one. This love is not just exclusive love, is not just surpassing love, is not just obedient love, but number four, it is persevering love. It is persevering love. One of the greatest examples of love is perseverance. It's perseverance. Have you been in a place where you see couples who have been married for 70 years and they are still together? They have kept their vows. It's a very beautiful picture, isn't it? Or you see couples who have been married for such a long time. They have grown old together. It's a beautiful picture. But you see, if you sit down and talk with them, you realize that they will tell you that it has not always been rosy. They had to persevere some things. They went through tests and trials and challenges. And they persevered because they decided that they were going to stay together. This love we are talking about that God wants us to have is also a persevering love. You see, God is telling us to love him. But most of us, we, we can't see him. You see, loving somebody you see is easy. Because you look at this person and you see some of the things you like. The nose, the eyes. Tell your neighbor you have blue eyes. <laughs> some of you are not talking to your neighbors. Are you jealous? Turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, I think you have blue eyes. There are things when you see, you know, sometimes when couples come to me and they say, and they tell me, you know, uh, we, 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 we are in love and we want to fall in love. I want to know what made them fall in love. And they have different stories. Yeah. Some of them say, you know, I just used to see this lady in church. I just like the way she walks. That is it. 
Yeah, she likes the way I like the way she walks. Another one, I just like the demeanor of this guy. He's a cool guy. Cool. But after you get married, you realize he's not that cool. You know, he's a cool guy. There's, there's that initial attraction that you see. For me, when I saw Pastor Mary the first time, she was serving her pastor, and I saw how she had organized her nails. And I say, oh, Lord, my God. Nails can be this organized. Because I was around some sisters who are always like this. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, buy a nail cut. <laughs> always biting, biting. Have you seen somebody biting his nails until he's almost biting the finger off? But her nails were organized. Painted red. She was serving the pastor and I was looking at her and I was like, oh, wow. I can have this in my house. Room service. Ah. And her smile. Beautiful smile. I'm telling you. So there's always something you will see. Yeah, about that person. Uh, am I saying the truth? There's something you will see. It might be the eyes. It might be the height. It might be the complexion. You know, it might be the voice. It can be the eyes. You know, Pastor Dennis, come. And, 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 and Faith, come. I want to demonstrate this. Please, please give them a microphone. We want just to know. I, I need like three or four couples to come. Pastor Steve, come. And Jackie, come as well. Uh, who else is married? Peter. Peter and, 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 and your wife. Please, please, please come. Uh, 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 Solomon and, and, and Fidelma, please. Please come on stage. Join me on as, as I invite them, please clap your hands as they are coming. Come, come, come on stage. It's, it's a quick one. It's, there, there's no preparation for this. Maybe we should even ask Pastor Zef to come. Pastor Zef, please. Is your wife here? She's not here. Okay, you are spared. It's a, it's a, very, it's a very simple question. Please clap your hands as they're coming. Who? How many couples are here? This is one, two, three, four. Four is enough. Tell us, is there anything you saw in Pastor Dennis that was attractive to you? Yes. What is it? Um, the height, the complexion, and the smile. The height, complexion, and the smile. You should be smiling every day. <laughs> and you, what did you see in her that really caught your attention? Her smile. Mm -hmm. uh, mainly her smile and her, her eyes. Her smile and her eyes. Yes, yes. Please remove your glasses. <laughs> or they are clear. <laughs> oh, okay, they are clear. You can see. There's something that they saw, isn't it? And, and it is very, very important. Let's move to this couple. Jackie, what did you see in Pastor Steve that really attracted you to, to him? And please don't say the passport. <laughs> Actually, me, I saw a future in him. You saw a future? He looked like he was going somewhere. Yes. Ay, you are so deep. Yeah. You are so spiritual. Hey! Because some of us, we didn't even look like we are going anywhere. Mercy. Hey. People who are going somewhere, how do they look? They look like Pastor Steve. Mercy. That's all you saw. How, how did you know that he's going somewhere? Had you talked to him? Yes, when we were talking, he was so persistent. Mm. Ah. Where he will take you. So, so what did, where did he say he will take you? 
Oh, it's a story for another day. All right, Pastor Steve, what, what did you say in Jacqueline? Uh, her dressing. Her dressing. Yes. She used to love um, skirt suits. Skirt suits. Yes. And uh, her hairstyle. And her hairstyle. Yes. It was like this? No, no. Yeah. She had braids. She had braids. Yes. Ah. So her dressing and also how she was humble. How she was humble. I took wow. her to a restaurant and she ordered a very cheap meal. <laughs> <laughs> she did not want to dent the pocket of a man who has a future. Hey. Next, Fidelma, what did you see in this gentleman that made you feel attracted to him? He was just so cool. He was cool? Use the microphone so people can hear you. University room. Uh -huh. And the bed was really organized. The bed was really organized. You went to his room. Hey. Lord have mercy. And the first thing you looked at was the bed. Oh, it was one room. Is it the bed sitter or the single room? It was a single room. How many remember the single room yesterday? Uh huh. And he was very smart, very organized, cool. Ah. He just loved the whole life. He was a full package. package. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Cool, smart, and organized. It's <laughs> a full package. He's yeah. A1. Wow. And you, what did you see in Fidelma? Well, she, I. Saw her when she visited. Mm -hmm. She was simple, mm -hmm. sharp, hey. as in dressing. Sharp in dressing. In dressing. Mm -hmm. She looked. She looked mm. organized. She looked organized. And she confirmed she was organized. And she has confirmed she is organized. Two people who are organized met each other. Hey, it's too deep. Let's let's hear from. Silvet and Peter, what, what did you see in him that? Uh, praise God, church. Amen. Uh -huh. Her mind is very different. I was an altar girl in Catholic church. Mm -hmm. But I used to attend crusades so much. Mm. And every time I attend crusade, I could see him. Mm. <laughs> so, in the crusade? Yes. But I was not saved. So, he used to preach a lot in uh, schools. So, anytime I go to those schools, I see him. So, I wanted someone to bring me to God because I had another, I don't know, I used to feel like uh, salvation is fake. So, I wanted someone to take me to God. Mm. Then, he was very quiet. <laughs> he liked white, white t-shirts and, <laughs> and white. And I don't like white. <laughs> But that one really attracted me because I felt this guy will make me uh, love white because I used to feel like, because I sweat a lot. Pastor, you preach about sweating. You see the way I suffer mm. there. So I sweat a lot. So I don't wear white because of that. But he used to be smart. And even today he loves white. Actually, every, not 
Hey, don't say everything. Hey, 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 yeah, let's stay with the white. So he has to go back to preaching. So the love can, can multiply. She saw you preaching. So you must keep on preaching. What did you see in her? Um, <coughs> the first thing that I saw in her, if you see, was the hair. It was the hair? Yes. Uh -huh. you know, she had this long hair. And that was an attraction to me. Wow. And then How one, long was it? Sir? The hair. The hair was long. So ah. One time, my, when we got married, one time she cut it without my permission. <laughs> and, and that was a bad day. I made a lot of noise. You made a lot of noise. Yeah, because of cutting the hair without asking. She needs to ask for permission. Exactly. Yeah, some of you wives, you cut, cut things without asking for permission. It is not a good thing. Ask for permission first. All right. One time, when we were coming from uh, a youth camp, yeah, and I had this big bag, you know, like because we used to go, Pastor, you know, those days, eh? uh, we used to go even with our mattresses, mm -hmm. and then I the had, camps, yes, camps, and then I had this big bag, and I think she, I was struggling with it going to the bus stop, so she offered to help. Mm. And the rest is history. Can we appreciate these couples? Wow, you can go. Thank you, thank you. Wow. So you can see they saw something. They saw something. And look, it, it is good to see something. Yeah, some of you just want to see spiritual things, hear a voice, saying whatever. No, sometimes when you see something, explore and see how far you can go with what you're seeing that you like. Amen. So, what am I trying to say? Please don't forget, I'm still preaching. I'm talking about persevering love. You see, they loved each other because there's something they, they saw in each other. Alright? But you see, God is telling us to love him, but most of us don't actually see him. We, we, we don't see God with our naked eyes. But he's telling us to love him. And sometimes the enemy can introduce doubt in your heart and in your mind that God is, doesn't even exist. But you see, our love should be persevering love that even when we don't see him or we don't feel him or we don't feel like he exists, we should still love him anyway. Because sometimes the promises of God even delay from being fulfilled in our lives. We don't see him we read about his promises and what he has said is like it's not happening in our lives. We have to keep on loving him. Sometimes he even allows challenges to come our way. Big challenges. Huge, huge challenges. But we have to keep on loving him and persevere in love until the end when God will come and vindicate us. That's when strength comes in. You push through with love. It's tough. It's difficult. You are tested. You are challenged. Sometimes it's like God is not even answering your prayer, but you still love him. You engage your strength in loving God. 
those who persevere till the end, the Bible says, shall be saved. Last scripture, and then we pray. Beautiful. First Peter chapter 1. Wow. Beautiful. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6. This is what the Bible says. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. Tell your neighbor, your faith will be tested. Yeah. Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 8. Whom having not seen, you love. You have not seen him. There is trials, but you have not seen him. But you still do what? You still love him. Though now you do not even see him. Sometimes we don't even see him. You know, your wife, you can see her. Your husband, you can see him. But sometimes we don't even see God, but we still love him. Yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Verse 9. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We must have persevering love for us to establish a kingdom legacy. Sometimes it will take you years. It will take you months. It will take you several years to see the kingdom being established. But you have to persevere. You have to love God through and through. Things are tough, you still love him. Things are not working, you still love him. The year begins in a very funny way, but you still love him. Challenges here and there, but you still love him. And after you endure for a while, you will see the kingdom of God being established in your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. This year I challenge you, our starting point. That's why I wanted to preach this message about love. Because this is our beginning. This is the start of building a kingdom legacy. We begin with loving God. This year, I want your love for God to go to the next level. Love God with all your heart. Love God with all your mind. Love God with all your soul. And love God with all your strength. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Stretch out your hands to the Lord and open your mouth and make a commitment to love God this year with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Just make that commitment right now in the name of Jesus. Is our starting point, is our beginning point. This is our starting blocks towards building a kingdom legacy. This is where we begin by establishing a very vibrant love relationship with God. That your mind will love him. Your heart will love him. Your soul will love him. You will exercise your will. Use your strength to love him. Yes. Jesus said this is the first commandment. This is the first commandment. This is the first commandment given to Israel. Given to the church. Given to the children of God. To love God with all their hearts. With all their minds. With all their soul. 
and with all their strength. Help us, Lord, that this year, this will be our starting point, that we'll love you. We will 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 love you, Lord. We will love you, Lord. We will love your presence. We will love being with you. We will have a strong affection towards you. With all our hearts, with all our strength, with all our mind, with all our soul. We will love you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. And I lift my voice. We love you, Jesus. To worship you. Oh, my soul. We love you. We love you. We love you. Come on, make that commitment to him. Make that commitment. To love him. Make that commitment. Make that commitment. Make that commitment. 2023. You begin with loving God. You begin by loving God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Surpassing love. Exclusive love. Persevering love. Obedient love. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lift up your hands and say after me, Lord, this year you will have my heart, have my soul, you will have my mind. I will love you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and with all my strength. I will have no other gods in my heart in my mind and in my soul. I'll use my strength to love you. Spend my time to love you. Spend my resources to love you. Because as I love you, I will build a legacy, kingdom legacy that will outlive me. Release your grace to help me on this venture. Father, I pray that I will not be cold. I will not be lukewarm. I will not have a hard heart towards you. I will love you. I will love you. I will love you. I will love you. My children will love you. My spouse will love you. Our home will love you. Everything that we do, we shall demonstrate love. I will love you with exclusive love. I will love you with surpassing love. I will love you with obedient love. And I will love you with persevering love. In Jesus' name, 
we all shout a big amen. Can we give him a loving praise? Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.